This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Happy Friday, Las Vegas. I don't know about you, but this week has been a long one. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're getting into some drama with our governor-elect, the new statue of Oscar Goodman, and to cap things off, we're sharing our favorite news stories from this week. I'm here with our friend and Nevada Current reporter, Michael Lyle. Hi, Michael. Hello. And our co-host, David Figler. Hey, David. Hey, y'all. It's Friday, November 18th, 2022. I'm Layla Mohammed, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. All right, so let's jump into the drama. Michael, our new governor-elect, Joe Lombardo, had his first event since getting elected. And rather than making headlines for the victory speech, the headlines were about who he shut out. So tell us what happened there. Wait, he had an event? I don't know. It's hard to say. I didn't get an invite. Oh, Nevada (laughs) Current. Nevada Current. And Las Vegas Sun. So yeah, uh, our governor-elect, Joe Lombardo, had his first event. Very small. I watched it live stream, a 10-minute speech altogether. But I think a lot of the news coming out of that is the fact that One, that he essentially did not let multiple news outlets into the speech, citing space capacity issues. And then I love that a lot of the reporters that were tweeting out photos showing all the empty seats. And so definitely uh, could have squeezed a few more of us in there. But yeah, the Las Vegas Sun and Nevada Current got denied access to the first speech from the governor-elect Lombardo. And so that's not a great way to start off your uh, time in office. Do we know what press made it in and why? I know the Nevada Independent was tweeting there. I know the Las Vegas Review Journal was tweeting there. A few of the local stations were there. And so he did allow some, but I know he's had some issues with Nevada Current. He doesn't, I don't think he likes us. I know if you remember over the summer, there is discovered texts of him saying he wanted to shut down the Las Vegas Sun. And so apparently doesn't like them either. The Nevada GOP party didn't let the Las Vegas Sun into their election night watch party at all, even though they garnered a RSVP week. Nevada Current can't even get an RSVP. Like, we weren't even allowed anywhere near that party. But it's just a, a troubling trend. It actually kind of goes back beyond this most recent uh, issue with him. I mean, if you remember, Metro is where he's been the sheriff of for all these years, has had issues with transparency and with media for a while. I mean, just this year, they paid Las Vegas Review Journal $250,000 to settle a lawsuit because the, the Review Journal had filed a public records request trying to get 911 calls and a body camper footage from the mass shooting on, on October 1st. And Metro denied it. So they just had to pay a settlement for that. Metro has also excluded various members of the media from attending their State of the Union. So this yeah. is like a long history. So I think it's kind of casting what could come 
when he actually takes office in January. It's really no wonder, I would imagine. I mean, the Nevada Current has uh, a very strong-willed editor at the helm, Hugh Jackson, uh, who has been openly of Metro and Lombardo and the lack of transparency. Uh, And and certainly there are dogged reporters at your publication, MJ, uh, that hold Metro to task and Lombardo as well. And so... uh, is it that obvious? I mean, is it just straight line? Like, you criticize me, I'm not going to give you access? Is that the narrative to pull away from this? That's sure how it feels, that we've been critical. Which is funny. I hate when people point out, like, you're so critical of him. We're critical of everyone. Like, if you've seen some of a reporter from Governor Sisolak, like, his lack of response to the prison system over the last two years, I've put that in every story that I've written. Like, we're critical of everyone, regardless of, of, of their party we are reporters. That's what we do. Um, and I know that the Nevada Current also got excluded from his transition team announcement. So if this behavior continues, can Lombardo be held accountable for excluding some select press outlets? I think that's a good question. Yeah, I think there's some possibilities. I mean, there have been cases where people are excluded, like from official Twitter feeds, and they're blocked and things like that. I mean, look, I I think we'd all agree that the bottom line is that if you are an elected official, you have to be made available to the public and the public gets you through the lens of journalists. And the Nevada Current, no one could argue, uh, are not outstanding journalists. I'm not just trying to kiss up to our guest, MJ. I mean, Nevada Current has broken many (laughs) great stories and are all, you know, uh, journalists there with lots of bona fides, you know. And so they're just doing their job. And it seems like the elected officials should just kind of take it. That's part part of the gig, man. You know, you don't get to exclude those who hold you accountable or who just not even hold you accountable, but report on the things that you say so the public can read it, right? Exactly. And I haven't seen much about what he actually said in his victory speech because of this news that he's excluding some press outlets. The funny thing is, he didn't even take any questions from the press. Like, he kept it like a tight 10 and called himself the education governor, which whatever, and then didn't take any questions. So the the fact that you're picking this fight with us to not even take questions at large from the press is just a ridiculous hill to die on. So look, we've been excluded from campaign events for a while, but we're going into new territory. You're not campaigning anymore. You're right. literally ahead of a government agency that gets taxpayer funding. Like, this is a no-no. Like, so that's why we're kind of being a little bit loud about this going into this. Even though it's a s- small things like a transition team emails, as you mentioned. We know that this is going to lead to bigger things and being shut out from getting accessing information that we need and accessing comments that we need and just trying to get him on the record about the, the stories that matter. You know, even the announcement of the transition team, the finer points of what he's going to emphasize, those are all really important things. And But how about that transition team? Were there things in there that kind of threw you off a little bit, MJ? I think Laura Martin, she pointed out, she's uh, Laura Martin, who is a uh, progressive advocate and organizer here in the community, pointed out, like, there's no education people, members of the education community on the the transition team for the quote-unquote education governor. I thought that was funny. I do think on the opposite side, it's noteworthy that someone like former uh, state senator Ben Keekhever is on there because he has been a little bit more moderate and even keel. But then you have on the other side with people like Mark Hutchinson, like, and so... 
I don't know. I'm just curious to see what his full administration is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the Laura Martin tweet and that was just blew my mind. And I look back at the Sisolak transition team and there were people from the education community there. And certainly some of them are nonpartisan in the way that any governor could have tapped into it. But, you know, transition team, what they really do is they vet, to my understanding, the people who are going to serve in the administration for Governor Lombardo. And that's an important task. And you want to make sure that you have, you know, good people in governance, especially for someone like Lombardo, who doesn't have a lot of governance experience. And so, you know, key role, and people should be talking about it. But some people are, again, excluded from the direct conversation, although I'm sure the current will still have its thoughts on the transition team and everything that comes and shakes out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of business people on the transition team, a lot of CEOs. And I'm wondering from both of you, what does this say, if anything, about what we can expect from a Lombardo administration? Man for business. I'm just kidding. That's just like a whole talking. <laughs> He's point. the yeah. business governor. That's how he should have. That's how he should have called himself. <laughs> I thought he said he was education again. I mean, not even a representative from, uh, you know, charter school advocacy or anything, which seems to be, you know, school choice is one of his his planks and when he what he talked about in that victory speech. And yet no one there from any education community. Weird. That was weird. Well, fingers crossed for our governor-elect. We are wishing him the best. Yes. Um, Everyone roots for him to do good for the peoples. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying, we're not trying to get interviews with them to be like, oh, we can't wait to tear you down. We legitimately just want to report on your policies and do our due diligence as reporters to report on government officials that are overseeing taxpayer dollars. So pivoting to another government official, um, former Mayor Oscar Goodman, he has yet another tribute statue um, for him that was revealed downtown this week, holding a martini, just like our newsletter editor Scott Dickensheets predicted. Um, One interesting tidbit from the RJ, um, they reported that funding from the statue came from Michelle Fiore's city council. Well, yeah, and I confirmed that. I I reached out to uh, the city and I talked with their public and media relations supervisor. Actually, we exchanged emails. And he's like, yeah, the cost of the statue was about $125,000. It was paid for with city funds via Councilwoman Fiore's uh, discretionary budget. And... She spent it on yet another tribute to former mayor Oscar Goodman. Yeah, I think you counted them recently, right, David? I tried to count some. I was being a little cheeky. But there's a few. So there's a bust of Oscar Goodman in what's been dubbed Oscar B. Goodman Plaza over in Symphony Park. And that was another bronze deal. Some fancy artists from, I think it was like one of the Dakotas came down and did it. Uh, That was about 10 years ago. So that's been up for a while. I will say uh, that the showgirls, the giant showgirl uh, 50-footers that that we've talked about on the podcast before that welcome visitors at the Stratosphere entry point and also are in a smaller version in, in other parts of the Arts District are patterned after the models who dressed as showgirls who accompanied Oscar Goodman on all of his many adventures when he was doing that. Also, the big martini glass that's on Fremont East is a tribute to Oscar as well and Fremont East. So there's also a pokey stop that has Oscar's visage on it right over there on Charleston and Third. So, I mean, he's it's deep. It's deep. There's a lot of tributing going on to Oscar. There's, mm-hmm. 
you see him a lot downtown, whether he's there or not. And of course, yeah. uh, you know, the Ma Museum has tributes to him as well. So there's a lot of public uh, spaces and private spaces that, uh, yeah, have have a lot of big O or all over them. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked-about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So why do we think Oscar Goodman has so many tributes in Las Vegas? And does he deserve it, right? Like the Goodmans have been serving in Las Vegas government for... Years, Almost 25 years. Yes. Almost 25 years of mayoral rule under the Goodman name. Yes, that is almost as long as I've been alive. So to put that into You've only context. known a Mayor Goodman, haven't you, <laughs> Layla? Exactly. So I'm wondering if you guys think that this is called for. Like, do you think we need about somewhere around eight tributes to... Do I think we need to pay $125,000 for another tribute when we have a housing crisis and homelessness and uh, (laughs) transportation issues and climate issues? Uh, Probably not. (laughs) I mean, it it is an odd move. And let's just backtrack a second. Yes, it's $125,000 of public funds, but public funds that were controlled by Michelle Fiore, which right with I think funds. is the buried lead here. I, am I wrong on that, Michael? I just that that's weird, right? It is definitely an interesting choice for someone that has her share of financial issues. That is the most polite way I could say that because she's been consistently investigated for <laughs> various financial issues um, to spend one hundred twenty-five thousand. I mean, it is her constituency funds, but like. Yeah, that is... It's not even in her ward. It's not... Yeah, that's the part that really gets me. But this also comes at the disservice to the people that live in the city of Las Vegas, that there's so much drama and that, like, this... There's a new layer of drama that we're talking about that does a disservice to a city that is experiencing a housing crisis that has... Uh, 
problem that it has not taken seriously the crisis of its unsheltered population that's dealing with the effects of climate change too and could look at other things like shade sh- shelters and cooling structures that could do things on a city level there's so many things that are happening on a city level transportation issues that need to be taken seriously and i feel that gets lost in some of this drama that is happening and so it's a, such a disservice that, again, we're talking about some of the maybe moderately entertaining, unsavory issues within the council. But it does, and at the end of the day, like reporting on this is not like it's not fun. It's really a disservice to things that are getting lost among all the this drama. Exactly. So hopefully, no more statues and some action from city council. I think that is a good reminder to end this topic on and move on to some good news from this week. So I want to ask you guys, what's some good Las Vegas news that put a smile on your face this week? What is what's yours, Michael? It's not necessarily Las Vegas, but it's Nevada. It will affect Las Vegas, but all of Nevada that we did not elect an election (laughs) denier to serve as our secretary of state and oversee our elections. That put a smile on my face. I want to back up real quick because everyone's like, you're a journalist. You're supposed to be unbiased. No, like it's democracy. Like there's no both sides of democracy. <laughs> like he literally said at a rally in October with standing next to Donald Trump, if I wane in 2024, we'll make sure this election reelects Donald Trump. Like he didn't care who Nevadans voted for. He cared about instilling the person that was trying to put him in power, Donald Trump. Like, mm-hmm. We should not both sides authoritarianism. Like, yes. At the end of the day, we chose not to elect an election denier to serve as a, uh, a secretary of state. That puts a smile on my face. A round of applause for democracy. Ooh, round of applause. And this was um, Jim Marchand. Yes. Who was yes. running for secretary of state. David, what about you? What's your good news from the week? Um, well, I'm going to go a, a little personal. I got the privilege and opportunity to perform some storytelling at the JFSA annual Sadaka Gala. JFSA is the Jewish Family Services Agency of uh, Southern Nevada. And they're a great organization that does food distribution. They do counseling, senior services. They facilitate adoptions. This was a gala honoring Delivering with Dignity, which was a group put together by restaurateur Elizabeth Blau, Puna Mather, and Julie Murray, all people involved in philanthropy in the community for the, you know, I think it was 750,000 meals that they had delivered during the pandemic times. So I was really happy to be part of that celebration. And also they announced that they're opening up a new facility in town. And so that was kind of exciting that, you know, the good things are happening in the community and that I got to be a part of it. So that's that's my happy joy sugar cube for the week. I love it. Yes, beautiful. My good news is also event related um, with the holidays coming up. I am really excited for some of the events. And so tonight at 5.30, downtown Summerlin is having their annual holiday parade that I've been going to for the past few years. Always lovely characters, Santa, floats, always a good time. And downtown Summerlin is a beautiful area. They decorate it with the lights. The Las Vegas Motor Speedway's holiday drive through and FLM's holiday cactus garden and chocolate tasting are both open now that you can go to. 
Ethel M's is a personal favorite of mine. I've been going there. Such a Las Vegas tradition. <laughs> exactly. Every year, that has been our holiday tradition, going to Ethel M's and seeing that cactus garden. Uh, and I'm wondering if you guys have any Las Vegas-related holiday traditions. I feel like more like family traditions of like things that I watch with people and especially the last two years, like I feel like I haven't gone to some of the things that I want to go to. I've always wanted to return to the skating rink that they always have at the Cosmopolitan, even though I cannot skate oh, yeah. and have a very yeah. terrible memory of in my 20s skating for the first time and being taunted by a group of teenagers. I'm okay. We're fine. Uh, <laughs> but like, I always wanted to go there because I think there's something magical about Christmas time. And I do love going to like Town Square and downtown Summerlin. And I, because we're in Las Vegas, I do love the fake snow. Like, yes. we don't have snow, really. Like, we might get it once in a blue moon, but, like, I love the fake snow because I love mimicking the idea of what Christmas is supposed to be like. And so... Yes, Town Square has a great fake snow show that they play in their park. I just love Christmas in the desert, right? That's why FOM is just resonates with me because there's so many varieties of, of cactus and flora and just it's so beautiful. And then they just gild it with like crazy ass Christmassy lights. It's just it's it's over the top. And that's just so Vegas. We don't have a tradition. Eventually, we'll make some latkes. But the tradition is to see how long we can last without turning on the heat. Oh, that's that's our Vegas tradition. <laughs> and then, oh, surprise this year, our furnace went out. So oh, no. that Yikes. that tradition is going to really push to the limits this year. Well, we're sending you warmth to David along Yay. with the rest of the Las Vegas Valley. Thank you both for joining me today. And it was a great conversation about some drama and some fun good news from this week. Thank you so much. Thank you all. That was fun. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our producers are Sonia Cho Swanson, Layla Mohammed, Lizzie Goldsmith, and Natalie Rivera. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets, and our hosts are David Figler and Vogue Robinson. Music is by OG Moose and All the Kimonos. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuwuvi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon.